Good morning. It's good to be with you guys this morning. Some of you may be wondering right now, who is that guy? Uh, my name is Seth Richardson, and I'm a priest, and I was on staff here at St. Andrews from uh, 2012 to 2016, um, and I'm glad to be invited back uh, uh, this morning. Um, an interesting thing is back when I first started in 2012, um, the way that it was organized is that Dustin and I did separate services, and so we were never actually up front at the same time. And so one of the things that happened, and this was our theory, um, was that there were some people who didn't actually uh, realize that there were two of us. Uh, there, was just, there was just the one young guy up there in the robe, <laughs> even though we don't look anything alike. Uh, so there were a, a several occasions when I had actually preached, and then someone would, would the next week come up to Dustin and say, hey, great job on the sermon last Sunday. So... <laughs> Um, I'm totally fine if that continues to happen, but I do want to set the record straight here now that there are actually two of us. (laughs) Let's pray as we continue. Father, thank you that we do not have to beg or convince you to be here. You were already here before we got here, and you are wooing us into your presence so that we can receive your new life today. So, Father, we ask you to send your spirit, the spirit of Jesus, to come and to illuminate everything that needs to be illuminated in this text and in our lives today. We pray that you would send your spirit to fall on us and empower us to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word, too. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus sends those who call him Lord to do the work that he did. Jesus sends those who call him Lord to do the work that he did, to embody and proclaim the gospel news that God's kingdom has ripped open time and history and has become a present reality. Changing everything. St. Andrews, today, we are caught up in this sending. The kingdom of God. God's world where his will is done. God's world of healing and wholeness. His future is unfolding among us in Jesus even today, St. Andrews. Even today, it's unfolding among us. God's future of healing and wholeness. But most often, that's not the kind of world that we see. Most often, we see a world that's characterized by both exhaustion and duplicity. By exhaustion, I just mean constantly trying to make your life work. Constantly trying to make your marriage work, to make parenting work, to make school work. Constantly trying to make work work. Constantly trying to do things for Jesus. Constantly trying, hustling to make your faith work, to make it fit all together, to do ministry, to follow Jesus. Exhausted from constantly trying to make it work. Does anybody feel that today? By duplicity, that's just a fancy word that describes the disconnect between 
what we say we believe or who we say we want to be, what we say we believe about Jesus and our actual daily operating system that runs our lives. Our actual daily operating system that runs our lives. It's like a split personality. Duplicity means that there's a lack of alignment between God's kingdom and our life. This is what Amos is describing in that passage that Dustin read about the plumb line. The plumb line is about finding alignment. And Amos is saying that Israel lacks integrity, the alignment needed for walking faithfully into the healing and wholeness of God's kingdom that God makes available. Maybe some of you feel the duplicity. You've noticed the duplicity recently in your life or in the world around you, maybe even in the church. This, this exhaustion and duplicity is like living with two scripts. Scripts, like the things that, that actors and actresses have that, that are the words and the actions that they embody when they are performing. Two different scripts. One script that, that tells us about Jesus, that tells us about the kingdom of God, and then the other script that actually informs and narrates and shape, shapes our daily living. The ones that, that actually shapes our speaking, our loving, our spending, our associating with others, our ways of holding power and responding to our fear, even the ways that we organize our businesses and our churches. Two different scripts. This other script that actually animates our life may even be written by a distorted picture of who God reveals that God is. Or it may be a distorted picture of who God says that we are, written more by individualism or consumerism or supremacy or efficiency or the will to power or more by a certain vision for political control than by Jesus. Both exhaustion and duplicity come from these two scripts that characterize our lives. I think about how in myself, on the one hand, I can talk about my true identity and how it's found in Christ. But on the other hand, I can constantly be hustling to win the approval of others. Or I can um, think about how a church can claim Jesus' love and grace or put authenticity on, on their website as a community value, while at the same time fomenting and, formenting and, and forming a culture of shame and fear that wounds and hurts people and leaves devastation in its wake. St. Andrew's the good news is that Jesus brings the healing and wholeness of God's future into this present reality of two scripts, right in the midst of our exhaustion and duplicity. The arrival of God's kingdom means that all the sin and the brokenness of the world, the sin and the brokenness that bubbles over because of our exhaustion and duplicity, because we have these two scripts running in our lives, that, that the cycles of violence and destruction and oppression are being unwound. 
They're being unknotted and healed in and through Jesus' death and resurrection. St. Andrews, this isn't just something that happened a long time ago that we get the benefits of. This is a present reality that's unfolding in Jesus among us today, right in the midst of our exhaustion and duplicity. And Jesus invites us out of this exhaustion and duplicity to join what he is doing, to come into alignment with him on a journey of repentance and hope. And this journey that Jesus sends us on means gaining an imagination. If we want to gain an imagination for how Jesus sends the church into the world, sends us into the world, then we need to first receive how Jesus himself comes to us. There is alignment between the way that Jesus sends his people into the world and the way that Jesus himself comes to us and continues to be present with us. One of the things that Mark 6 makes clear is that responding to Jesus' call always looks like an alignment between the way Jesus comes to us and the way that we make our way through the world. This is what it means when Mark says that Jesus sends out his disciples under his authority, in his way. Because the thing is about the kingdom of God that Jesus has been announcing is that he's not just a witness to the kingdom. He's not just the one pointing to the kingdom like John the Baptist was. He is the very embodiment of God's kingdom, the very embodiment of God's healing and wholeness for all creation. Jesus doesn't only give us something, like give us a salvation product that we, that we take and then try really hard to live up to, or that we take and then kind of just do whatever seems best. No, Jesus is inviting us into his very life, his very way to walk in alignment with him. And so, quite simply, this means that if you can't imagine Jesus saying it or doing it, then it's not God's kingdom. Our plumb line is always the way that God has revealed his kingdom in Jesus in the words, the actions, the ways of Jesus. So get this, the way that God gets things done the way that God is saving the world, the way that God gets things done is revealed in Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what God's heart is like, if you want to know how God gets things done in the world, look to Jesus. The way that he comes to us and saves the world. Because here's the thing, we often get into trouble with exhaustion and duplicity when we're just trying to get stuff done. But the way that we get stuff done Jesus invites us to do that in alignment with him. So notice how Jesus sends his apostles with a staff, no bread, no bag, no money, regular shoes, and no extra tunic. What Jesus is getting at here that applies to us too is that Jesus sends out his disciples in weakness and dependence. Jesus sends out his disciples in weakness independence. They must learn to live in weakness and dependence on the hospitality of others. And St. Andrews, this is how Jesus comes to us. 
Jesus comes to us in weakness, in dependence on the power of God to bring life, or it seems like there shouldn't be power to bring forth life. In weakness, in dependence. And so this means that Jesus' apostles, they don't travel first class. They don't come like an invading army, taking and plundering and living off the land, claiming the territory as theirs. Rather, they come receiving hospitality. This kind of flips the scripts Uh, For us as Christians, we often imagine ourselves to be the kinds of people who should be really good at being hospitable, like offering hospitality to others. And don't hear what I'm not saying. Like, that's true. (laughs) Christians should be the kind of people who can offer hospitality to others. But also Jesus is saying there's something about how our heart opens to the grace of God when we make ourselves open to receiving hospitality from others. Are you tracking How hard is that? As hard as it is to be hospitable, how hard is it sometimes just to to be in dependence and weakness with someone else? If anything, this should keep us from a patronizing or, or power over or paternalistic relationship with those to whom we are present. Because our encounter with other people should always provoke the memory of our present need for Jesus' healing and wholeness should always provoke in us the memory of our present need for Jesus' healing and wholeness. See, exhaustion and duplicity often comes from forgetfulness. Forgetting that when we read this passage and the way that God is unfolding his salvation in history, we are the Gentiles. We are the ones who needed God's people to come and proclaim good news to us Because we were lost and without hope in the world, like Paul says. We are the Gentiles. Before anything else, our our posture, our consciousness is we are those who have been welcomed in by grace. We never move away from being the ones who are welcomed in by grace. We are those whose basic reflex is the joy of discovering that we were actually wrong in some very fundamental and misaligned way, but but God's kingdom has broken forth in our lives and we now have the opportunity to come into alignment with Jesus' healing and wholeness where we were once out of alignment with Jesus' healing and wholeness. St. Andrews, this is what repentance is all about. It means coming into alignment with Jesus' healing and wholeness. This is why repentance is not like the bad thing that we should stay away from. Oh, thank God I didn't have to repent of anything today. This is why repentance is good news, that the best thing that could happen to us is there could be something so disruptive to our lives that we would be confronted with reality, that we are misaligned from the the path, the avenue, the way that avails us to Jesus' healing and wholeness, and we get to realign. We get to repent. Notice that Jesus sends his apostles into a world of unclean spirits. The healing and wholeness that Jesus brings means liberation for those who are in bondage. And for our ears, we need to remember that bondage comes in many forms. Unclean spirits come in many forms. Yes, there are the, it's the, the, the stuff that we might think is strange, the demon possession, the like, whoa, what's going on there? It is that stuff. But also, it includes the unclean spirits 
any unclean spirit that keeps people locked in bondage. The unclean spirits that keep people locked in bondage to violence and racism and consumerism and narcissism and all the isms that dehumanize and destroy and keep us far from God and one another. Demon possession, yes, that's a thing. I'm not saying that that's not a thing. In the short ministry that I've had, I've seen this happen at least once, maybe twice. But probably more regularly, the stuff that just seems normal to, normal to us. The normal junk and brokenness, the normal, the normal pathologies in personal and relational dysfunction that shows up in ourself and others. Jesus comes bringing liberation for bondage to that. And so Jesus sends us out into a world Meaning that there's no, like for us, there's no holy huddle. Like Jesus is, faithfully following Jesus does not mean an escape from the troubles of the world. Jesus leads and sends us on a journey that must travel into the pain, the confusion, the conflict, and the impurity that's in the world and that's among us, that's in us, the, maybe the scarier kind. Of brokenness. But friends, don't miss that this journey, this is the journey that Jesus took. This is the journey that Jesus took for our sake. Jesus never sends us on a journey that he didn't already take. He sends us out into a broken and troubled world, yes, but this is the world that Jesus has come into and has overcome through his death and resurrection. This is the world that he has come into, and because he absorbed it into his body, has taken away the sting, has neutralized this brokenness so that it does not have power over us anymore. Remember, St. Andrews, we are the ones also with unclean spirits. This is part of the normal human condition, and we're mixed up in it, but catch this. If if you don't catch anything else, just catch this. Jesus literally destigmatizes the social shame of having unclean spirits. This is what is part of what makes Jesus so scandalous in his day and in our day. Jesus was transgressing the social and religious boundaries that said that unclean people were far from God and not worthy of being with God or not worthy of fellowship with God's community. But Jesus transgresses those boundaries by coming among us, by coming among the impure, the unclean sinners like us, and touching them, touching us. This is how God's healing and wholeness is breaking forth among us, even today in Jesus. This is the journey that we are taking, and this is the good news that we are proclaiming about Jesus' healing and wholeness. And at the very least, At the very least, this means that we can become the kind of people who are honest about our unclean spirits. And that the church can become the kind of place where people know they can just be honest. Living in repentance and hope is living in the present as if God's future is already here. So hope isn't just like thinking about wishing that something will happen in the future. Hope here is about living in the present 
as if God's future has already showed up and is continuing to unfold and unwind and is headed toward a certain wholeness and fullness and healing. Hope means anticipating in our bodies a world that will be fully healed and whole in Jesus. When we embody this, Jesus says, some people will not receive it. We proclaim peace and some people won't receive it. When we embody this, people don't receive it because we're jerks. People don't receive it because when we embody the hope and healing of God's world, we come into conflict with all of the things that are a part of our world that cut against the grain of where God is leading the world in Jesus. It just provokes it. It brings it all up. And Jesus says, we don't have to be anxious about this. We don't have to be angry about it. We can just shake the dust. I want to uh, make a note about what Jesus says about casting out demons and healing the sick. And in the same way that there's, you know, more than one kind of unclean spirit, more than one kind of demon, there's also more than one kind of healing. You know, often when we think of healing, we think of like the medical kind of healing, where there's like the results that medicine provides. And th- this, is, this is good. Sometimes when we pray for healing for others, we see this kind of healing in their lives. This happens. But this is not the only kind of healing. Healing and wholeness doesn't always mean feeling better. It doesn't always mean that the pain stops and definitely doesn't mean that life gets easier. Healing and wholeness means that our wounds and our pain no longer separate us from the love of God and fellowship with one another. And so we are sent into the world, Jesus says, as those who can witness to how Jesus liberates us from the bondage that wounds and brokenness have caused. So as we think about how this gets real today among us, the question isn't, how do I stop having two scripts? The question isn't, how do I work harder to make sure that I'm not as exhausted or duplicitous as I used to be? The scary news, as I've already made plain, is that all of us are exhausted on some level and all of us are duplicitous on some level. The healing and wholeness starts when we just get sober and honest about that reality. All of us are duplicitous. All of us are living according to two scripts. The question isn't whether you're perfect or not, and then once we get less exhausted or aren't duplicitous, then we can stand over against others and tell them to not be so duplicitous. The question is, can we develop a posture of ongoing repentance? Can we nurture a culture where we see the good news of daily waking up to some reality in our life, daily being confronted with a reality where we get to come more in line with Jesus. To discover in a new way where our thinking or living is informed by a false script. So for me, one of the places that this always immediately, daily begins to get real is in these places where it's clear that I am addicted to control. This isn't the only issue I got, but it's a big one. The more 
I, the more that we grasp for control, especially control over others and control over our environment, the more we extend our exhaustion, just pour fuel on it, and the more that we remain blind to our duplicity. So for me today, it's like right in the midst of my addiction to control and my impulse to control God's kingdom, Jesus' healing and wholeness is ripping open. The question is, will I respond in repentance and hope? I'm going to leave you just with one image. Um, I have uh, two two daughters, uh, a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and they love fairies. And uh, just recently, um, Carolisa took them to a fairy festival. Um, but she, she told them about this fairy festival like a, a week before they went. And so for that whole week, it was, it was as if the future reality of this fairy festival was ripping open and breaking into their present. So that it like changed the way that they talked. It changed the way that they dressed. It changed the games that they played. It changed the ways that they related to one another. It was transforming their present reality, breaking in, even though it was a future thing. Are you tracking with me, St. Andrews? This is what God's kingdom is doing even today among us, except it's not just a future thing. It's really, Jesus is really here embodying God's wholeness and healing, inviting us into repentance and hope today. May God's Spirit lead us even deeper. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.